Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. Today is February 27th, 2017, and this is episode 190. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on today's show, we're going to talk with the Grand Pumbaa of Camden Chat. And in this post-fact world, we'll search for some truth or some truth. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. So it's time for the drink of the week. All right, Jake, we'll get you started because I know you're pretty happy with your selection this week. What did you decide to imbibe yourself with? I am drinking Above the Clouds, which is listed as a farmhouse pale ale brewed by Three Stars Brewing Company out of the District of Columbia. A pretty decent beer. Um, I'm not a big fan of of Belgians, and this has like just a hint of white without being obnoxious. So uh, I'm actually going to give it a, my stamp of recommendation. That one's not bad. Um, definitely did not uh, try to change what it was, which is truly a, a nice little farmhouse ale. Uh, Jake, I'm going with a Brewer's Art Birdhouse Pale Ale. I think you're familiar with this beverage. It's orange, it's black, and it goes down your throat really well. One of my flavorants, if you will. Yes. So if you want to know what Jake and me are drinking every day, um, you can follow us untapped at MEGN8606. And I'm a Jake E4025. Share with us your drink of the week on untapped. And with that, I think it's time we uh, delve into everyone's favorite segment, the medical wing. Wait for it. It's coming. There it is. It's okay. It's okay. It'll only take a little. All right. Well, with that, um, you know, for spring training, we talked about this last week. There seems to be a lot of injuries going around. Um, some getting better, some getting worse. So uh, Chris Tillman, I think, is probably at the top of everyone's list of just kind of watching what's going on with him uh, with the shoulder. Um he went out and had a light toss today, so that's kind of good, I guess. And, you know, it seems like he's on track to progress right on along with the timeline that was established by the club so far. It almost is like the PRP injection is actually working. Shh, shh, don't jinx this. Okay. Speaking of things that have been jinxed, oh. J.J. Hardy. And injections. <laughs> <laughs> so J.J. Hardy, uh, injection is back. Um, the original date for him to come back and start like baseball activities was March 1st. That was pushed back to March 4th, and now it's been pushed back to March 10th. J- this uh, year? Uh, this year, I okay. think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, I'm pretty sure. Um, but I didn't get confirmation on that, so I'm going to have to check my sources. Um, Jake, you getting that icky feeling yet about J.J. Hardy? Let me just put it this way. 
Birdland, Beware the Ides of March. Ooh. Uh, get that because he got an injection in his yeah, back. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Ryan Flaherty, the linchpin of the team. Brutus, as it were. <laughs> he, has, he has an arm injury. So this is uh, General Soreness. General Soreness, yes. But it could explain a little bit about uh, the Orioles' moves to bring in uh, several depth position arms uh, for the infield, including Andino, Chris Johnson, and also recently acquired Paul Janish back onto the team. Um, again, nothing too concerning, but it's interesting that with Hardy and Flaherty um, having ailments, the Orioles are not taking any chances whatsoever. Um, but I did find it interesting today that they had Machado play shortstop um, for the game today. Well, I'm not sure that that's so interesting because I think he's going to play short for the WBC and our shortstop is down. So, I mean, uh, that that fits. I find it interesting. Uh, okay, find it interesting. Plus, you know, if Hardy, God forbid, should miss any time in this season, I think the backup shortstop is a one Manuel Machado. And so the rest of these cats are just vying to be the backup third baseman. Gotcha. And that makes sense. Um, Zach Britton, who uh, was suffering from an oblique injury. that You take that back. That is false. Oblique. <laughs> it's fake news. Yeah. I, don't want it, I don't want it to be true. It's fake news. All right. Well, so, so far, it seems to be subsiding. We still don't know when Britton will get into a game, um, as it were. Um, Jake, I have a question for you. Do you have any concern about Zach Britton um, getting into a game this spring training? No. Okay. I gotta be honest, I'm actually a little worried. And here's the reason why. Uh, with the Orioles, let's say, losing their bullpen uh, coach and um, their pitching coach and Dave Wallace and Dom Chidi, um, they were instrumental in transforming Zach Burton into the pitcher that he was today. Do you don't think there's gonna be any issues with like command or anything like that, right? Okay, I wasn't worried until you started yapping. Could, uh, could we not with this? About Dave Wallace? About worried about Zach Britton. Hey, just want to let you know. Thanks for everything you do. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> and of course, the big news, of course, is Michael Bourne, who uh, well suffered a football injury and had a broken finger and will be out for the next four weeks, which rubs up darn close to his uh, opt-out date of, I think it's March 25th or something like that. Um, I think we all made the assumption that Michael Bourne clearly going to be on the opening day roster. But yeah, based off of this... It doesn't make sense for him to be on that opening day roster. So it certainly has opened up the Pandora's box for another outfielder to get onto this team. Now, what do you think they do? Do you think they renegotiate his opt-out clause, give him some time in the minors to rehab, and then figure out whether or not he's a good fit for the Orioles, and if not, let him go and get a gig elsewhere? Yes. Okay. And I think that makes the most sense for Bourne as well, because the last thing you want to go is, is going to another organization that doesn't want you. And it's clear the Orioles want him, and Showalter wants him. So, but I think Bourne is at least a fourth outfielder on most major league clubs, right? I think so, but it's one of those things where he's got to go in there and make that impression. And I think he's already made that impression by being on this team in the second half of last year. Yeah, yeah, and not not necessarily with breaking his finger playing football. Right, exactly. I mean, he needed to complete a full football action in order for the play to actually have worked out. <laughs> Shame on you, Scott Magnus. Shame. It caught me by surprise. <laughs> I must be in preseason in preseason condition. As soon as I get halfway through, I can see training. the eyes going like, "What is he doing?" Oh, I see what he's talking Don't about. Don't do it, Scott. Don't do it. Oh, he did it. Well, I guess we'll go to a hundred and forty characters or less. For this week on the Twitters. Jake, why don't you go ahead and I want to it off? I want to start with a tweet from one of our favorites, Matt Taylor from The Roar from 34. He tweets at 
Roar from 34. July 1st, Buck Showalter bobblehead night at Nashville Sounds. Buck in a Sounds uniform from his playing days. See you there, Orioles fans, with a picture from I what I assume is the Nashville Sounds Instagram account of their uh, bobblehead schedule, including a very handsome young William Nathaniel Showalter uh, on 731. Scotty, this has you written all over it. Here's the question. Um, what's it going to take for Orioles PR to get one of these in ahead of time and then stage it in front of Buck right before one of his pressers? Because uh, you know Buck is going to go absolutely haywire when he sees it. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. <laughs> All right. So uh, a little lineup preview. So the Orioles posted a uh, very intriguing lineup yesterday um, for their game on Sunday with uh, the following lineup being posted by Rockabaco with Kim batting leadoff, Jones second, Machado third, Davis fourth, Trumbo fifth, Seth Smith sixth, Jonathan Scope seventh, Wellington Castillo eighth, and then Ryan Flaherty as number nine. Um, Jake, opening day lineup, go. Well, if Flaherty's arm is still hurt, that's a problem. No, this yeah. is uh, this has got to be pretty close, right? It's got to be really close. This just screams Buckshaw Walter all over it. Um, yeah, I, I don't see anything changing from this. This looks like the opening day lineup, unless someone else gets hurt. But this is this is pure Buckshaw Walter. And again, it comes back to there's been arguments about well, should Jones be a leadoff hitter? And like this is a perfectly good lineup. Do I have a few issues with it? Yeah, I might switch Machado and Jones, but in reality. Who the heck cares at this point? Don't tweet about disagreeing with Adam Jones. It's a bad idea. But, I mean, like we've talked about before, um, first year Bird's Eye View would have got into a lineup discussion and been like, oh, this is a really big deal. But was now aged veterans. We're going to move past that and just say, "Eh, that's kind of cool to see an opening day lineup in February. Next, we're going to go to a tweet from Dan Zaborski, who tweets at D Zimborski. Oh, God, he's using up all of his strikes, and it's not even March yet. Now, this is a tweet. About Giovanni Gardo? No. About Wade Miley? No. Oh, it's about Jimenez, isn't it? It's about our number one closer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was actually a retweet of something from Camden Chat. Uh, it said, Obaldo's first two pitches of the spring season are strikes. Seems like a great omen, you guys. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Dan here. Don't use it all up in the spring. We're going to need some of that for the wild card game. You're absolutely right. Abaldo used it all up in August and September, and look what happened when they got to October. <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> all right, final tweet goes into the hashtag anything is possible, Jake. Uh, this comes from at Jake Kennecke, and he tweets to you, Jake, saying, I fully support your dream of being a Batgirl. Hashtag anything is possible. Jake Dream big. Dream I, big. I, I'm waiting, Birdland, for all of you to tell me about how your ball person auditions went. I need to know. I need to know. Well, if there's one person that dreams big every spring, it's the Grand Pooba himself. Let's get his thoughts and insight into Orioles baseball. If you are an Orioles fan, then Mark Brown should require zero introduction. 
Put simply, Mark is the grand poobah over at Camden Chat, the SB Nation blog for O's fans to read and contribute to a thriving online community. Knowledgeable about the Orioles? Check. Talented and entertaining writer? Check. Friend of the program and just about the nicest guy you could ever hope to know? Checks all around. Mark, thanks so much for joining us on Bird's Eye View. Gentlemen, thank you for having me back. I am, I'm always glad to talk some Orioles with anybody, uh, as most of the people I know in life could tell you and probably get annoyed about from time to time, but I don't have to worry about that here, so that's good. Off mic, we were just shaming you about the infrequency. I'm going to say infrequency and not the ceasing, but the infrequency of Camden Cast, the official podcast of Camden Chat. It's um, still alive in my heart, even if it's not alive in reality. It's like a pacemaker, basically. <laughs> easy, easy, <laughs> easy, easy. Let's uh, let's set the schedule here. All right, let's let's get to this important thing. Mark, this is a very pivotal moment for you Ooh. and for all of us. Ooh. What is your drink of the week? Oh man, what am I drinking right now? I have a bottle of water here right now, man. It's it's in a, a, a refillable like aluminum glass. Oh, so it's it keeps a it nice and cool. Gotcha. Um, and and you know, water's good for you. Yes, drink that water. it is. And we and we encourage hydration. We encourage hydration. Please drink responsibly. Responsibly. All I right. miss those promos so much. I wish they would write him some more. <laughs> it would only take him away from the broadcast for another like ten or fifteen games, but that's okay. But all right. So emotions, Jake, are running high. You want to go ahead and go oh. through what you're feeling emotional right now about spring training so far? I don't know that we had that kind of time to Ooh. deal with my emotions uh, for me to lay here on the couch and have and have Mark, t- uh, you know, fix me. But I'm going to need you. Well, you know, Jake, you brought up Camdecast, and I always say that was my <laughs> ongoing therapy session with the world. So uh, you certainly should feel free to lay, use yours in the same way. Lay down. I, I need you to help me manage my emotions. What are we to make of Matt Weeders with a Walgreens logo on his hat? I, I'm I'm reserving judgment mostly because if he has like the season of his career, I'm gonna be so annoyed. Like where was this when he was on the Orioles, you know? Like but if he just kinda goes there and he's does like he does last year, he wasn't good last year, so you know, I'm not gonna care if he is not that great for the Nationals. But if, if he suddenly hits like thirty home runs when he never hit thirty home runs for the Orioles before, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna take it personally. I'll tell you that right now. I will take it as a personal affront. Against me, Mark Brown. What if he's not that great, and yet he's on a pretty great team, and he goes deep into the playoffs? Well, that would be annoying uh, also, but that, that wouldn't have as much to do with Weeders as just my general dislike, uh, antith- antipathy towards the Walgreens franchise. Yeah, I, I can't tell how I feel about it. The thing is, is that, you know, okay, we didn't want to sign him back. Good for him. Go find a job. I'm shocked that it took this long. I'm shocked at the number that he got. I thought for sure he'd get something more than that. Uh, But I'm I'm in this position where I now have to see him at least twice and hear about him in in the local media market. It would have been so much better for him to sign you know, like in San Diego or somewhere where he could just be yeah. away and I wouldn't have to think about it. Can, can, I ask I, a, can I ask a question? So I've been pondering this and this is, I really am not so much bothered by Matt Wieters in the Washington Nationals uniform, but there's one question that has kept me up at night regarding him going to the Nationals. If Matt Wieters were to join the president's race and run against all the mascots, do you think he would actually be able to beat the mascots in a race um, with the big heads or do you think he would become in last place? No, he'd get lapped. <laughs> I think if it was a fair fight, I think there would be at least one president that would beat him. But as we know, they uh, they rigged the 
the results. Oh, so, so. They, they cheat in Washington. Huh? I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, um, here's, here's a question for you. Masson is counting down its top 25 games at Oriole Park at Camden Yards for the 25th season in Camden Yards. And so I'd like to ask you, sir, a, a distinguished Orioles fan, for your, uh, I don't know, top something, maybe top three games at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, and do you think that any of your selections will take the top spot on Masson's list? Well, I'm going to sound more mad about this than I actually am. I just want to preface my my response about that. But the Orioles have already screwed up this list because I think the Cowrican statue game from 2012 being the number eight game is frankly embarrassing to everyone involved in the production of that list. Amen. Um, honestly, that it really it's just I, I, I said something about that on Twitter like the night it happened and a couple people were like, oh, well, it's got to be number eight for Cal number eight. I'm sorry, that's a stupid reason, and if that's the reason they had it be number eight, that's horrible. That's really horrible, because that is that is probably my number three game. I think number one, so let's dial back the, the, the rhetoric here. Number one, obviously, should remain the 21-31 game, I think. Yeah, that, uh, I think that's pretty much unanimous across yeah. anyone. No, it's got to be number eight for Cal Ripken, right? <laughs> yeah, obviously, that should be number eight for Cal Ripken, right. No, but... um. Uh, number two, for me, I think number two is going to be the Delman Young double game. Oh, that's a good I think, one. I think that would jump that high up there. That's a good um, one. Now, they have played postseason games on the, the top 25 countdown, right? They have. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the list right now. So we've got uh, back at number 20, we had 1996 ALDS game one. Yeah. We had game number 17 was uh, 2012 ALDS game two. We had uh, game number seven was the Jeff Revelay homering off of Randy Johnson. Yeah, that was a great the game. Mariners ALDS game. I was actually so, at that game, and I don't remember anything about that game except for the Revelay home run. And looking back at the game when I watched on Mass, I was like, man, there are so many good players in that game. Like, there is like eight should be or or are Hall of Famers yeah. uh, playing in that game. It's really remarkable it's, when you look at it. It's unbelievable. Just you look and you're just like you you you're like well neither one of those teams won a World Series. They can't be that good of a team. Those teams and then you look and you're just like oh my god. There's like that's a Hall of Famer. That's a Hall of Famer. It, it kind of is like when you look back at like the Orioles during the '70s and they're going against the Pirates or the Reds and you're just like holy cow. There was like World Series. There's Hall of Famers all over the place in these lineups. So it's just kind of interesting to see how good some of those teams were. Um, in the mid '90s as well. So yeah, so they have postseason games on there. So Delman Young double game. I mean, come on, that's that's got to be your number two right there because that's pretty much the greatest postseason moment in Oriole Park at Camden Yards history, without a doubt. I I would agree with you about that. That makes the most amount of sense. But I also agree with you on your point of the statue game still should go higher than the Delman Young game, no matter what. That is one of the best games just in terms of um, what it did for Orioles fandom and everything. It was the final straw that broke the Yankees back. I mean, for so many years, you're just like, oh, the Yankees are going to come back and win this game. And when that happened, it was like, finally, we had a game that we could basically hold as our own and be in first place. It it defined the, I I think that it defined this period of Orioles baseball, right? Let's look at it. The Orioles clubbed their way into a giant lead. The pitching deflated in a huge way. And just when it looked 
like the Yankees were putting the nail in the coffin. They come back. It was going to be the same old thing we saw from 1998 to 2011. It was like, oh, we know the story. And just as they were, that the ink was still wet on the page of that story, the dongs came out. Adam Jones said, no, not here, not on my watch. You don't get to ruin this day. And being present for that game, and I'm sure it was just the same watching from home. That game was incredible. Left field, upper reserve is where we were. Yes. We were left field, upper reserve, and he nearly jumped on Jake's shoulders to the I, point. I had I had the good and bad fortune in that game of I uh, I was able to be in the press box oh. for Camden Chat. So I, I say bad fortune because I couldn't cheer in the yeah. press box. So I was literally just like banging on my keyboard <laughs> trying to express emotion in the only outlet that I had. It's funny because other people bang on their keyboards, but not intentionally as well in that press box. But Yeah, all the uh, all the AOL.com email addresses in the front row. It's yep. like the only place in the world people still use AOL mail. Anyway, so it's it's great you guys got to jump on one another. I, I wish I had someone to jump on. I mean, I could have jumped on Rakubatka, but I probably would have gotten thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> so probably for the better, I didn't do that. So I've got I've got two games that I'd like to add to the list, and Ooh. forgive me if they're if they're on the list and I've missed it. Uh, Clinchmas clearly, right? Clinchmas has to be up there. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's top three. I don't think it's top on three the, on the official list. That was number nine. I think I would move that a little higher than That's nine BS. personally. But that's um, BS. Well, yeah, yeah. obviously it's got to be number nine for uh, Brady Anderson, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then a, another game which which warms my heart. And I don't think it'll appear on the list. Uh, is the St. Louis Cardinals um, celebration of of the franchise when they, you know, uh, put the uh, put the display up on the warehouse? 60th anniversary. And they had all of the uh, Hall of Famers come out on the post game. That, that was game, a lovely game. That game was so much fun to watch because the Orioles just beat the crap out of the the St. Louis uh, Cardinals. But then all the emotion that followed. That was a really, really cool game. And again, you knew after that game with all the players coming up and like shaking hands with all the previous generations and all those Hall of Famers that it was going to be a special year. It's already already uh, coming to that point. And after that point, you're just like, something something special is going to happen this season after seeing that. Um, it was the same feeling I had after seeing the 2012 game where Machado basically deked out Tampa Bay runner and then threw him back and got us. It's like something's going to happen for the rest of the season where this team is playing out of their mind. So it's those little moments in the baseball season that you just can point to and just be like something. This is different than the daily rut, which is baseball. Sometimes would you say that it was that something magic happened every time you go? Not all the every time you go because I went for a long time and not a lot of magic happened. But that night, yes, magic but did happen. There were a lot of years with no magic. No, that that uh, this, the the anniversary celebration was really a special night. I was there for that one too. And that's actually number eleven on the list. You could oh. probably you could probably move it higher. But uh, that was that was a great night. Who like, is making this list? I, I don't know who's making it, but they have made some really questionable Mark, uh, choices throughout. Mark. You grab the pitchforks. Scott, you get the torches. I will round up the angry dogs and we will we will go down there and we will set this straight. All right. I have I have some good news for you. It's Ooh. it's a better list than the old list they did. I don't you may not remember in 2012 they did a top 20 games since that was the 20th anniversary year. There were some uh there were some some whoppers. Like I'll I'll tell you this this one has gone off the list entirely. The old number 9 was uh July 25th, 1999. Where they had turn ahead the clock day? No, <laughs> oh, <Lord>. no. 
that's that's number nine Vetoing. in 2012 before Vetoing. the 2012 season and they've purged it from the top 25 entirely i tried so to purge it from come, my memory <laughs> yeah like i mean it's, it's just like what are you doing why did that ever end up on there wow Wow. All right. So I got to talk about other kerfuffles that are going along. Um, okay. So there was a sure. kerfuffle earlier this week with John Angelos tweeting out that he, had, uh, he has a opening day first pitch preferences. Um, who would you love to see toss out the ceremonial first pitch in 2017? Oh, boy. Um well, I mean, if we're going for if we're going to lean into the celebration of the 25th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards, I would say, why don't you have uh, Rick Sutcliffe throw out the first pitch? That's a good choice. That's a good choice. That is nice. That is a that is a good good choice. I think um, to counter, you know, the the item that um, that John Angelo is talking about, I think it would be great to invite, you know. Uh, somebody from the past, like you know George W. Bush or uh, Joe Biden, so that they could they could make it apolitical, but not really. Because like if you if you invite like an ex president or an ex vice president, it's just like okay, you know they're just inviting an ex president. It doesn't have to be okay. They're inviting the Democratic ex vice president or whatever. You can you can just have it be okay. You know we just had the had the ex president, but. With the hot I takes, think, I think we know the Angelos family would have an opinion there, which with, I have. I would happen to share, but uh, you know, nobody listening to this <laughs> podcast really cares what I think about all that. I'm sure, so I won't won't go any on any farther. With with the hot takes, John Angelos's uh, Twitter account is becoming a, a must follow. Um, all right, so I uh, I wanted to ask you about this. Um, you know, the the Orioles' season upcoming is going to be one of two things. It's either going to be heartbreaking. Or incredibly heartbreaking. Um, so, <laughs> well, what if they win the World Series? That wouldn't be heartbreaking. Come no, on, that wouldn't be heartbreaking. That's not water you're drinking tonight, is it? <laughs> no, maybe not. Huh? Maybe it's actually a different clear liquid. <laughs> who is it on this on this year's team that is going to frustrate you the most? Who Who do you think will be sending you to your water bottle more often than not? Oh, who is going to frustrate me the most? I think. Probably, uh, probably Mark Trumbo. I mean, are you? Just, you're just concerned about him just basically regressing back to form. Oh, I don't. I think he'll be better than he was before he was in Baltimore, but I don't think he'll be hitting uh, 47 home runs again. You know, I think he'll probably get in the 35, 40 range, and his flaws will be more frustrating. But then again, if they don't play him in right field much. It'll be better. I was about to say. Although even then, you know, in today's game, he messed up a play at first base, and it's like, okay, there's your designated hitter, but yeah, we'll, I, we'll see what happens with that. In an emergency, I guess he's your first baseman. But, I mean, even if he hits 35 to 40 home runs as your DH, I mean, you've got to be taking that to the bank every single time, especially for what he's being paid. Oh, absolutely. I was I was glad they brought him back, considering they weren't going to spend that money in a better way, you know, at that point. It's like... It was really just a binary choice of do I want Mark Trumbo to be on the Orioles or do I want Mark Trumbo to not be on the Orioles? It's not really like they were choosing between Mark Trumbo and other players. Yeah. So I actually got, you know, got into an argument about this at work with somebody and they said, you know, they shouldn't have gone back and signed Trumbo. They should have gone out and got a starting pitcher with that money. And I said, who would they have got with that kind of money that would have been any decent? I said, like, do you know what a starting pitcher is being paid right now? I mean, 
a mediocre pitcher like Abaldo Jimenez is, you know, getting going to get paid ten to twelve million dollars out there on the marketplace. I mean, can we not say that out loud? That that hurts. Abaldo Jimenez is going to get paid ten to twelve million dollars on the marketplace. I mean, it's just. I think that there's a there's an aspect where the common fan out there is saying. Oh, they need to go get an ace, but they think an ace is still going to have to get paid eight to ten million dollars because that's what Mike Messina was offered by Peter Angelos back in the day. But I think you might still have some bitterness to work out about that. <laughs> yeah. Now Scotty's laying on the couch, and Mark is working with his notepad. Yeah. yeah, we might. We can maybe have a breakthrough here. Where I feel like we're on the really on the edge of a breakthrough. But yeah. seriously, Rich Hill got three years and forty-eight million dollars, basically on the strength of. 24 good starts over the last two years and he's 36 years old yeah he's left-handed and he's not dead so he he can have a major league career yeah mark i do rich, think i think rich do, hill who featured in the uh this week's countdown game as the orioles starting pitcher who was terrible on june 30th 2009 so we've covered a, a player that you feel is going to make you take an extra sip but who is a player that you think orioles fans right now are overrating and or underrating coming into the season well, I tell you what, uh, I don't know if overrating is the right word, but I, I am nervous about Dylan Bundy and the fact that the Orioles apparently are going to have him be in the rotation for a full season. Uh, it, it, it just really seems like they're, they're overrating his potential to be able to do that because his, his top uh, innings as a professional is what he had last year, 109 and two-thirds. Now, yeah. I know... We're all, you know, in the in the sabermetrics wing, and we are in the know that the Verducci effect has been debunked. So the whole <laughs> increase by thirty innings per year thing that was kind of a standard for a while is actually not a thing. But he's not going to go from one hundred nine to like one hundred eighty, is he? I mean, come no. on, that just seems like well, we saw the same thing. Seems outrageous. We saw the same thing last year with Kevin Gossman. Kevin Gossman, you know, prior to last season, did not have one of those long seasons, and it certainly Kevin Gossman kind of had to grow into that role, although. I did find it funny that um, there was a post this week on Fangrass by Eno Saris, who I absolutely love. And one, of his, one of his bold that. predictions, of course, was Dylan Bundy will be the ace he was always supposed to be, which if that doesn't get you a little excited, I don't know what would. But I totally agree with you, Mark Brown, that um, when you only manage a little over 100 innings, um, man, it's it's really hard to think that you're going to be okay. And especially you look at some of the some of the data that shows how bad he was three times to the order and you just I don't know, I just don't see it. And I guess that's part of my fear aspect is I just don't see Dylan Bundy making that huge step. I think he makes a step this year, but I don't think he turns into that proverbial ace that people like Eno Saris is basically predicting. Well, if you want to get excited about Dylan Bundy and be super optimistic, which as everyone who reads Cam the Chat knows is not me, but if if a person wants to you could certainly read all of the stories and articles talking about how Dylan Bundy is going to be working the cutter back in to his arsenal, which he was not using last year. So, you know, if if the cutter is really all that it was supposed to be, then maybe that's what uh, puts Dylan Bundy on the path to well, that's, greatness. That's clearly the case. I mean, we've talked about this for years where – Dan Duquette basically forbid Orioles pitchers to throw the cutter, and by doing so, Orioles pitchers have been dead last. So as soon as they are allowed to throw that cutter, you know they're going to go right to the top of the division and basically the, the entire American League for their ability to throw the cutter because it is such a devastating pitch that it will fool anybody. Oh wait, that's not the way it works. My bad. 
Here's the- I mean, th- that was always Dylan Bundy's like best pitch. So yeah. the you know whatever it was, I mean, maybe last year he didn't throw it because maybe it was hurting his elbow a little bit. I don't know. That's that kind of stuff is like one of the. I mean, it's it, you know you're not going to get the full story from the Orioles press about whatever is going on with that. So whatever happens is going to happen. Well, we, lem- we can certainly cross our fingers and hope for the best. Here's the thing that that frightens me about Dylan Bundy. He's got some really weird body language on the mound. And it seems to me like every time he pitches, he does something. He twitches, he yanks his arm, he gives his leg a funny shake that makes me think, oh my God, he's dying. He, his body language makes me think he's hurt every time he pitches. And it's, that's, it's that, almost like he's a weird dude who has a lot of quirks. Almost. It's, it's almost that it's way. It's almost like he was pushed as a teenager to do a bunch of weird things with his body, and he's basically still doing that as an adult. He went to Catholic school. He, he did go to the Catholic school. All right. I'm not touching that one, but no, for, for excited one guy, I'm starting to get, uh, I guess the priest the will, but for having, having listened to the Orioles radio on Sunday and television on Monday, those guys are getting pumped up for how pumped up Jonathan scope looks. And Is, aren't, I'm, I'm aren't they a year to, too late on that? To buy into those. Hype. Oh man, you're on the Jonathan Scope hype train too. Aren't you a year too late on the Jonathan Scope hype train? Well, no, what? I mean they're talking like he's going to be hitting like 35 homers or something like that. And from where? I mean that that would be that would be exciting. I don't know. I I'll probably not think that by opening day. But I mean, right he, this moment, he had 25 home runs last year, Mark. I mean, yeah, he can go up from there if he's really Mark, bigger and stronger, like they're saying. Mark, 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 Mark. I think what Scott's saying is that he he disagrees. Uh, if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, Mark, I'll do, I'll do you a favor. I'm going to send you over the Statcast data, and um, you'll be very sad. Okay. I mean, Manny Machado jumped to 35 home runs in 2015 and 37 last year, so you're, I don't know. Scope could have another. You're another absolutely right. Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope are exactly the him. same talent kind of player. <laughs> hey. I mean, the Orioles have strong dudes who do nothing more than hit home runs, and I think Jonathan Scope could uh, take his place among that number. Mark, if it's any consolation, I prefer to live in the Mick World fandom as well. Uh, it, it it could happen. It could what happen. I'm hearing is Mark digs the long ball. He does. <laughs> he, he is a fan of the long as ball. As long as the Orioles are hitting the long ball That's instead right. of giving up the long ball, which they're also very good at. All right, so what story or storyline are you paying attention to most this spring training? Well, I think what I am most paying attention to is the surprise Chris Tillman got a PRP in December thing, because that's that's going to be bad if his shoulder has got some problems and everyone's counting on him to be, you know, the number one guy. We we, we Uh, talked about this last week on the show, and um, we were talking about the PRP injection. Can you think of a single instance instance, uh, for the Baltimore Orioles where a PRP injection has signaled good news for a player? Um, I don't know about the Orioles, but they think it probably has worked for other people. I don't. Who's the last guy who got a PRP injection? I I don't know. Did Manny get one in his knee at some point? I don't know. Didn't I believe a Hunter Harvey got one last year? Oh well, we know how that worked out. (laughs) I, I do refer to PRP injections as prelude to Tommy John. So the fact that this is a PRP on his shoulder, it, it's got to be good, right? And Mark's absolutely right. PRP injections do work for other players and other teams. But as I like to point out, this is the Baltimore Orioles. So uh, things that work for other teams normally don't work for well, them. Here's the thing about that. It's <laughs> like Chris Tillman just shows up to camp and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, he got a PRP injection in December. Like the 
the the reporters saw him at FanFest. They saw him at minicamp. Nobody is like, hey, Chris, how's your shoulder doing? Or maybe they did ask him and he just didn't say anything. But I mean, like, yeah, he probably didn't. Surprise. Surprise. I got an injection in my shoulder in December. He probably didn't lead with and my shoulder is falling off. Yeah, I was about to say, it's not like he's got like a smiley face bandana on his shoulder that says insert PRP here. So no, that's true. And it could have been worse because, you know, the Cardinals had like the like the baseball prospectus number one prospect in baseball, Alex Reyes or whatever, shows up the camp. Surprise, I need Tommy John. They only found out when they MRI'd him at the start of camp or whatever. So at least Tillman wasn't in that category. Now, you know why that can't happen to us, right? Well, because we don't have top prospects in the uh, at all. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> See, if you, if you don't have high, if, if you don't travel high, you can't fall very far. That's, that's, that's true. So good that's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm nervous about Tillman. Uh, I, he's supposed to start pitcher fielding practice on Friday, I think. So. The ori- originally, they were saying, okay, he'll be two to three weeks behind. So if he starts PFP on Friday, he'll be two and a half weeks behind. So if he sticks to that, you know, maybe there won't be too much disruption in the rotation, and that'll be okay. But I'm going to be nervous about it until he hits the regular season and has, you know, some good, good starts under his belt. Or when I can see that velocity being above 90 miles per hour. Right. I, I think, you know, for instance, it's clear we weren't getting the best version of Chris Tillman no, in the wildcard game not at all. Uh, when he was only able to go through five innings or whatever, yeah. uh, which, you know, was part of what uh, impacted the Orioles in that game because, you know, he, he coughed up the lead there just because he ran out of gas, I guess, because his shoulder wasn't well. When he came in the first inning there and he was chucking the ball up at like 90 to 91, I'm like, not a good sign because normally when Tillman comes out with that much, much adrenaline, He's normally thrown at like 93 to 94 for the first inning, and then he'll scale it back down into 91 to 92. When he came out and was throwing just a hair above 90, I'm like, oh, this is good. Yeah, I mean, think about like ugly. against the, the Tigers in the playoffs two years yeah. ago. He's, he was hitting 95 in the yep. first inning or two, if I remember right. That's it correct. was like, wow, man. That was one of those things where it was like, okay, if Tillman's throwing 95, maybe he can smoke it by these guys. Correct. And sure enough, you know, turns out, out turns out it wasn't good for his arm. All right. So one more question for you, Mark. Um, so All right. Every Friday on, uh, on Camden Chat, um, when the Orioles win, a celebration takes place. So I yes, ask you this. Is it GIF or JIF? It is GIF, the GIF party. Nice. I just want to make sure that you are on the correct end of the spectrum and not going to the soft G because we here at Bird's Eye View do not approve of the soft G. No, I don't approve of the soft G either. I think it's uh, it's it's barbaric that people actually say soft G GIF. Uh, it's it's really like why would you say GIF? GIF is peanut butter, okay? GIF is not images, moving images on the internet that make you happy. Also, doesn't that the is G, a GIF? Doesn't the G stand for graphic? The G stands for graphics. So you know, the, 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 the guy who made GIFs apparently is a soft G GIF guy, which is like, to me, that's like, like here's my analogy for that. He doesn't have George a choosy Lucas, mom. George Lucas created the Force, right? But then George Lucas came along and added in midi-chlorians in the prequels, and it was horrible. So, you know, the GIF creator guy, you're basically like George Lucas adding midi-chlorians. So it's, GIFs are not yours anymore, so just get out of here. Pre, pre, prequels, uh, George Lucas is not high praise. I, I gotta no, say, it is not high praise. After listening to this conversation, I feel like a virgin all over again. So, <laughs> that seems like an excellent time to segue away from anywhere near what Scott was saying. Mark, tell us all about Camden Chat. 
our listeners clearly, if if they know what they're about, are there every day. But for for the one guy who hasn't broken his uh, cherry basically. under a rock, <laughs> tell us about the site. Well, I tell you what, uh, in my in my biased opinion, Camden Chat is probably the greatest community website based community on for Orioles fans on the internet because just every day you can come and chat about whatever, and hopefully there'll be a lot going on to talk about that's good with the Orioles. Uh, during the regular season, as we're getting towards there every morning, even in the off season, we run through all the links that are worth talking about elsewhere on the internet. Uh, we got previews for every series before they happen. We have interesting content uh, every weekday morning. Recap all the games, other fun stuff that comes along, and you know you can just hang out and be among Orioles fans and talk about whatever you want. Uh, today, people were talking about top loading versus front loading washers and dryers which maybe isn't the most thrilling but if you're if you're there you'll get you'll get really into it we, just whatever you want to talk about as long as you're not a jerk you are welcome when came to chat and uh hopefully people will stop by say hello tell them bird's eye view podcast sent you and well they i don't know if that'll be worth anything no. but tell them anyway that's gonna it'll be, make a, that's gonna it'll be a make jake and scotty feel better yeah so so uh where on the web and social media can we find you well, it's uh, camdenchat.com, or you can go on Twitter at camdenchat, or you can go on facebook.com, facebook.com slash camdenchat. I think that's all of them, really. Uh, it, it's pretty much whatever slash camdenchat. So we've, we've got our hashtag brand. I use hashtag ironically, okay? Uh, we've, we've got the hashtag brand straightened out. You, my friend, also have a hashtag brand. If you are looking for the sage words of one Mark Brown, follow him on Twitter at eat more sk it's true i do have my own twitter i uh, i need to use it more so yes you can find me talking about nerdy things more than the orioles that at eat more sk all righty well thank you so much for joining us and hopefully we can have you back again later on in the season as the orioles at that point will be uh soaring high in first place so we can uh rave about them rather than um pleading with them not to hurt us. Jonathan Scope should have about 28 home runs at that time, so we should be in good shape. Well, here's hoping. I'll be glad to be back, guys. All right, Mark. Have a good one. Thanks so much. Take care. All right, Jake, in the aspect of spring training with all the relevant news out there, I think it's time we start breaking down the cold hard facts. And as we are in a alternative era, I say we uh, go ahead and break into some truth or truth, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, I'm I'm all for it. Scotty, lay some truth on me. All right. So, Jake, do you have faith? In Ibaldo Jimenez for 2017. You know, that's an... No. No, I do not. So I do not so have any... You're, you're not buying anything that he was throwing out in August and September. You know, Buck Showalter was very positive into saying he's got something going on this this spring training. I think he's going to come out and prove a lot of people wrong. Do you think that's the case, or... Didn't he say that the year before that? And the year before that? <sighs> that's a good point. You're, it's almost like Buck Showalter sometimes lies, or... Give us too much credit to his players. Okay, well, fair enough. So, Scotty, truth. 
or truth? I'm going to go ahead and do truth, and then we'll try that. It's a good choice. With the addition of Robert Andino and Paul Yanish to the organization, it's clear that the Orioles are simply collecting ghosts of unremarkable middle infield past. Mm. So, my question to you is this. Who should they acquire next to scratch your middle infield nostalgia itch? Brian Roberts, obviously, for an assistant hitting coach. (laughs) Okay, I wasn't expecting that. Thanks for going at my heartstrings. Or, you know, he can help out Richie Bansalison as like an assistant personal trainer. Concussion protocol doctor. There you go. That's so mean. <laughs> Jake, truth or truth? I'm going to go with truth. Jake, if Wayne Kirby was invited to dinner, what would you cook for him? What would I cook for him? Yes. Um, you know, he he thinks of himself as a grill master, so I have to stay away from that area. Yeah. I think if he were to come to my house, uh, it would all, just all be salad. Mm. Just be salad and greens. He'd probably be really disappointed with that. How excited would your son be to see Wayne Kirby, though? He would be He would be all about that. Would your wife be more excited, though? No. Okay. She wouldn't even know who he was. It'd be like, who's this man that just entered in my house? No. Not at all. Scotty, it all comes down to this truth or truth. I will take the truth, but not from the fake media sources that you normally pull them from but go ahead fair enough I'll, I'll i'll pull from the other truth yes um i can't sound I, I can't seem to find a reason to like oliver drake and his performance okay um i've said this in the past but let me ask you this does me bringing it up today a day in which he gave up a meaningless run in a meaningless spring training game make me an official hater um let me get this straight so you uh, don't like oliver drake even though he's from the navy uh, you don't like him because he throws a pretty wicked forkball. And uh, you don't like him because he's just a pretty overall nice guy. But let's be honest. I mean, he's not that good. I mean, he's he's at best a combat competition between him and Logan Andrusik for who fills that last spot in the Norfolk shuttle. So it doesn't make me a hater? No, not at all. Not at all. All right. So, Jake, truth or truth? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pull a, a an audible here. Uh-huh. I'm gonna surprise a lot of people. I'm gonna go with truth. Okay, uh, Jake. Uh, last off season, we talked about um, a certain Orioles related tattoo. So, Jake, I have to ask you: if you had to get an Orioles related tattoo, what would it say or look like? All right. Um, I would probably uh, get the Oriole bird logo, the face logo. The smiling bird. The smiling bird. Yeah. Uh, with the words, is the word under it. Uh, somewhere that I can hide for professional purposes, you know, th- that a shirt and tie would cover. But graphic. So your butt cheek is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yes, clearly. Because <laughs> that's where I wear my tie. Uh, graphic bird is the word. That's that's how it roll for me. Gotcha. Do I, do I get to ask you what your Orioles related tattoo would be? Y- you can if you want. If, if I answer truth in this next question, I guess. Um, well, yeah, let me, let me do the bonus. Let me just, what, what's your, what's your tattoo? Uh, I think if I were to go with a tattoo, I would maybe just go with the solidarity eight for the cow Ripken thing and just kind of go from that. All right. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, so Scotty, truth or truth? Yeah. Uh, what? I didn't say, yeah, I didn't say anything. <laughs> you're just making assumptions now. I, I am making Cannot assumptions. Blake, you're making assumptions. I tell you what. I think I'm going to stay away from the uh, left-tending tendencies of the truth aspect that you're trying to throw out and more go to the right uh, and go with that truth. So let's go truth. What is your favorite and 
your least favorite meme, habit, or behavior of Oriole's Twitter? Ooh. Uh, my favorite is going to have to be uh, the aspect of every single time there's a home run hit. Uh, there is a collective dong slash bomb slash whatever it may be. Um, my My least favorite is going to have to be when the Orioles blow the game, how everyone loses their collective gosh darn minds in the process. Um, and, and the ones that I find the funniest, um, can I say I just love the gifs. <laughs> you you wound me, sir. <laughs> I will I will say my favorite was also uh, the love of the dong. I, I think that that phrase is is great. My least favorite is the uh, is the unclever. Um, parody accounts with the cartoon avatar and the misspelling of words that drives me bonkers uh, yeah that doesn't really, i don't really get that either but that's fine because we're old and we need people to get off our we Twitter are lawns. extremely old um but with that folks out there in birdland hit us up with your truth or truth and we here at bird's eye view will do our best to answer you back so remember tweet us at hashtag truth or truth and we'll get back to you with that, why don't we go ahead and uh, blow the save, Mr. English. All right, Scotty, I know this is unusual territory for me, but I'm going to hop up on the soapbox Ooh. because this week I have got to address, I have got to address Major League Baseball's move to eliminate the intentional walk. Uh, old man ran coming. All right, well, maybe they didn't <laughs> eliminate the intentional walk. But they eliminated the, any chance of the intentional walk meaning something. And I can hear most of you out there saying, but Jake, the intentional walk almost never happens. And most of them go, with a, go off without a hitch. So what's the big deal? Can, I, can we back up a second? So I've, I've kept my head in the sand about this one because really it's an intentional walk. How often does this happen? Are the, are, is the team required to take the intentional walk? Like, can you just say, I still want to throw the four balls and take the intentional walk? Uh, I, I don't think that there's any reason why they can't throw them wide. Okay. Well, uh, there was an interesting quote by Brad Brock, and he said, I kind of like the intentional walk because it lets me restabilize and recenter and kind of get my focus back before I would approach that next batter. So the only question I would have is, really don't care so much about the intentional walk because it kind of is, again, dead space within a baseball game. But I just am curious, is it intentional, intentional walks, or are we just talking intentional walks? My my whole problem with this <laughs> is twofold. First, things can happen during intentional walks. Miguel Cabrera. Exactly. Miguel Cabrera can happen. Or a pitcher can fail to execute and throw in wide. Or a catcher can fail to execute and a runner can advance or even score. All right. A, an intentional walk can have meaning in a game. And my complaint is that they're eliminating this play for what? And at what point do you stop? The madness. At what point do you say, oh, well, this doesn't happen often enough, so we should rip it from the game? Really, Scott, how many bunts take place in a baseball season, huh? How often do bunts really impact the outcome of a game? Let's just get rid of them so that people are more likely to shoot for the fences, at which point the game is more interesting. The intentional walk itself doesn't really matter. It's the message that it sends. And that's really what this is about. It's the second part that I have a problem with, is that it doesn't fix Baseball. Baseball is a wonderful game and yet can still be improved. 
Now, today, baseball announced that they're going to look at a way to improve the feel of the ball by moving away from the traditional river mud and moving to something more tacky like uh, what the Asian leagues and I think the miners uh, use. And that's a good change. That does something to improve the game. You know what else that does something to improve the game? Fixing replay. The replay system is incredibly broken. And I was steadfast against it when it was implemented. But you know what? Now I'd rather see them fix it than simply do away with it. We spend too long staring at old men wearing headsets that could easily be fixed. Put an umpire in the booth in every stadium. How much does it cost? Oh, I don't know. Enough to keep people in their seats? Or hey, let's actually have a replay system where somebody in New York looks at the replay and most plays are reviewable because everybody knows what happens and a stupid thing like, oh, well, yeah, we could see it happen, but it's not really reviewable, shouldn't happen. That would fix the game. And by the way, it would stop delays. But baseball's insistence on taking this course of action with intentional walks to shave, what, 35 seconds off a baseball game misses the point. The game is already great. No one needs to make it great again. You are never going to eliminate enough of baseball to get it under two and a half hours, especially not when you're committed to dragging it out with commercial breaks. And that's really what it's about. Intentional walks aren't making us enough money. We need to find some other way to do it. Embrace what makes baseball special and don't insult your fans. And I'm sorry, but the length of the game is part of that. Stop telling millennials that they have an attention span problem and they can't handle a baseball game. Reach out to them and find them where they are. A bunch of old white dudes deciding what a young, diverse fan base should like about baseball is short-sighted and embarrassing. Young people will pour hours, say we old folks, into binge-watching and video games, but also, you know, reading great books and listening to music and the same crap that every other generation before them have already done. And they'll do it with baseball games. Previous generations bonded with baseball because of their their parents and family tradition, and because of the radio and television and baseball cards, and, and, and the list goes on. And if those things aren't working anymore, find the things that are. Reach those new fans where they are. Social media is an excellent place to start. Find those fans and where their interests lie. And if you want to fix baseball take on the real problem, then I will applaud it. But don't do something dumb like eliminating the intentional walk and then pat yourself on the back for your ingenuity, because it's an insult to the game and to fans. End rant, part one. Oh, are you done? I'm good. All right, sorry, I was watching this gif of this cat on a skateboard. I completely zoned out like a quarter of the way through it. Me too. I just, I, I blacked out and my mouth just kept running. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, us millennial generations, we're going to keep watching these GIFs that are on the internet. Um, with that, uh, I guess it's time for us to close out this show. So uh, remember, you can find us and our entire catalog of indispensable rants, not episodes, rants, at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network, and you can find this show on baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. Also, you can find us on baseballtalkradio.com, the, host of, uh, the home of great baseball talk. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Google+, Snapchat, but best of all, on Twitter, at BirdseyeViewBAL. Hey, we are on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play Music. We'd really appreciate a, uh, a rating and a review. It helps establish what's called social proof about this show and encourages new listeners to check it out. And with that, 
Baltimore Beyond, I have nothing left, so I will bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's.